0: (laughs) you're listening listening to hold that thought from arts and sciences at washington university in st louis
1: so i don't know i've always sort of lived in language
0: we've all felt a part of that story how
1: i look at it is that poetry is not the transcription of experience it's the transformation of it you're listening to retellings the washington university creative writing podcast series Welcome, listeners, to a sneak peek of the new Creative Writing Summer Podcast series, Retellings. I'm Rebecca King, and today, since Claire, the regular Hold That Thought host, is on vacation, we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to give you a preview of this new series, set to air on June 17th. For seven weeks, I'll be meeting with authors and Washington University professors to understand where stories come from, how stories are told, and what these stories say about us as humans. Some of the writers you can expect to hear from this season are Carl Phillips, Mary Jo Bang, Katherine Davis, and Kelly Link. I also speak to other faculty at Washington University to help me understand the complex web of inspiration and influence in literature by exploring larger themes such as folklore, Greek tragedy, and Gothic literature. Today I have a preview of my interview with Anton D a writer-in-residence here at Washington University, whose first novel is coming out on June 4th. Anton was the envy of every first novelist when her book, The Yonolasi Writing Camp for Girls, was at the heart of a seven-way bidding war between publishers. Set in the South at the beginning of the Great Depression, Thea Atwell is sent away from home in disgrace for her part in a family tragedy. Her father sends her to Yonolasi, a private riding camp for privileged girls. Once there, Thea must learn how to fit into the social cliques of the camp, and as the secret of her past is revealed, she must decide how, or if, she will let it shape her future. Here's a clip of my conversation with Anton. I heard this novel began with the idea of first seeing the Appalachian Mountains. Is, is that true?
0: Yes, it is true. I grew up in Florida, which is very flat, and I remember first seeing the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, when I was young and just how astonishing they seemed. And so I knew I wanted to write about Yonolasi, but the rest hadn't come to me. and. The idea of somebody seeing those mountains for the first time in the 20s actually really appealed to me. The thing that fascinated me most about nature and environment was the way that you feel like a different person in a different place. And when I was a child, we would make long drives from Florida to North Carolina, and you would feel one way in Florida, and you would have this one landscape, and then in North Carolina, you would feel a different way because you would be surrounded by a different landscape. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I don't know um, what the mechanism is that makes us feel a different way in a different place, and maybe it's it's back to the... parts of our brain that think mountains safe because nobody can see you or you know beach not safe because it's flat.
1: This story is in its essence a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the typical arc of a coming of age story?
0: It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> For somebody who's read a lot of coming of age stories and likes coming of age stories I think the typical arc is a person enveloped in a family And the person's identity, the character's identity, is attached to their family. And then in the best coming-of-age stories, I think, some sort of trauma happens and it causes them to have to decide between their family and themselves. I guess it doesn't have to be a family, but it a lot of times is, and in my book it certainly is. One of the elements I really like about coming-of-age stories is the character becoming themselves by destroying themselves, like acting in their own worst interests. But because they have to, they're driven by something that they don't entirely understand, but that needs to be expressed in order for them to come
1: of age. So what do you think it is about that story that we return to again and again in literature?
0: I I think we've all felt a part of that story. Like, I love my family very much, and there is no trauma. But it's something that every person has experienced, separating themselves from their family and from who they were as a child.
1: You can hear more from this conversation on June 17th when Anton and I kick off the Retelling Summer podcast series. For now, I leave you with a reading selection from Anton's debut novel, The Yonalasi Writing Camp for Girls, which releases on June 4th.
0: This is the opening to my novel, The Yonalasi Writing Camp for Girls, Chapter 1. I was 15 years old when my parents sent me away to the Lassie riding camp for girls. The camp was located in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, concealed in the Blue Ridge Mountains. You could drive by the entrance and never see it, not unless you were looking, and carefully. My father missed it four times before I finally signaled that we had arrived. My father drove me from Florida to North Carolina. My parents did not trust me enough to let me ride the train alone. The last day we ascended into the upper reaches of the mountains, at which point our journey slowed considerably. The road looked half-made, narrow and overgrown. It twisted and turned at sharp angles. My father spoke little when he drove. He believed one should always concentrate on the road ahead. He'd bought his first car, a Chrysler Roadster, five years earlier, in 1925, so an automobile was not a habit for him, but an innovation." We stopped in Atlanta on the first night, and after we checked into our hotel, my father told me to dress nicely. I wore my lavender silk dress with the dropped waist and rosette detailing. I carried my mother's meek stole, which I had taken despite mother's instructions not to do so. When I was a child, I was allowed to wear the stole on special occasions—Christmas dinner, Easter brunch—and I had come to think of the fur as mine. But now that I wore it on my own, it felt like a burden, an accessory too elegant for me. I felt young for the dress, though it was not the dress but my body that made me feel this way. My breasts were tender and new. I still carried myself in the furtive way of an immature girl. My father, in his gray pinstripe suit, didn't look much different than usual, except that he had tucked a lime green handkerchief in his coat pocket. Not the lime green of today, fluorescent and harsh. We didn't have colors like that then. No, I mean the true color of a lime, palely bright. At the entrance to the restaurant, I took my father's arm like my mother usually did, and he looked at me, startled. I smiled and tried not to cry. I still clung to the hope that perhaps my father would not leave me in North Carolina, that he had another plan for us. My eyes were swollen from two weeks of weeping, and I knew it pained my father to see anyone cry. The country was in the midst of the Great Depression, but my family had not suffered. My father was a physician, and people would always pay for their health. And there was family money besides, which my parents would come to depend on. But only after my father's patients were so poor, they couldn't even offer him a token from the garden in exchange for his services. I saw all this after I came back from Yonolasi. The Depression had meant something different to me when I left. I rarely ventured outside my home. We lived in a tiny town in Central Florida, named after a dead Indian chief. It was unbearably hot in the summers, this in the days before air conditioning, and crisp and lovely in the winters. The winters were perfect, they made up for the summers. We rarely saw our neighbors, but I had all I needed right there. We had a thousand acres to ourselves. And sometimes I would leave with a packed lunch in the morning on Saucy, my pony, and return only as the sun was setting, and time for dinner, without having seen a single person while riding. And then I thought of my twin, Sam. I had him most of all.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Hold That Thought for a preview of our new series, Retellings. We're all so excited to expand our series this summer. And throughout the interviewing process, I have been continuously inspired by the faculty and writers that I've had a chance to talk to. I can't wait to share those insights with you as well in the next few weeks. See you again on June 17th.